Good morning and welcome once again to In Focus. I'm John Sims and with us this morning, Pam Ortega. Pam is the Sexual Assault Program Coordinator for the East Texas Crisis Center. And that's our topic for today with a big focus on April as Sexual Assault Awareness Month. Good morning, Pam. Great to have you with us. Good morning. Thank you for having me. And don't forget, In Focus is available online. Just go to ktbb.com slash In Focus. In Focus is uploaded to our website early in the morning, the day after the show airs. Pam, as we always do when we um, do pretty much any show on In Focus, and certainly the ones we've done with the Crisis Center over the years, just a little bit of a summary of the Crisis Center, maybe how it all began, mission, purpose, who you are, what you do, why you do it. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, the Crisis Center got started in the late 70s. Um, to respond to sexual assaults and rapes in Smith County. So it's been around since then, and the mission has been the same, to provide any kind of support and help to survivors of sexual assault and now um, domestic violence. All righty. Individual counseling, therapy groups for women, protective orders, advocacy on behalf of clients, shelter, hospital accompaniment. You really do cover the waterfront in that regard. Anything and everything that you can do to help victims of domestic violence and sexual assault, you're there for them, right? Right. That's that's our main mission. And if there's something that we are not able to do for them, then we make sure we can get them in contact with the agency that can. Okay. So you do have very strong partnerships with other agencies around the community that are also concerned with this issue in different ways, shapes, and forms. Yes, that's right. Okay. I'm going to talk about that a little bit later in the show, maybe go into some of the detail about the things you do on a day-in, day-out basis. But April is Sexual Assault Awareness Month. And that's really what we want to focus on today. Let's start with a definition of sexual assault and kind of go from there and why you uh, need these definitions, but you can't always necessarily go strictly by these legal definitions. Right. Well, um, the legal definition of sexual assault in Texas requires for there to be some sort of penetration in order for it to be considered a sexual assault. And the important thing there is that uh, a sexual assault experience can be just as traumatic for an individual, even if there was no form of penetration. Okay. And we're talking about sexual contact, groping, what we hear referred to more and more, especially, but not strictly with children, inappropriate right. touching, things of that nature. Right. Okay. Now, some of that sexual contact, groping, uh, inappropriate touching, uh, not necessarily. It just depends on the situation, especially with younger victims. But generally, that those are considered misdemeanors. And the legal system, I know you work very closely with the law enforcement agencies, police departments, et cetera. There's only so much they can do if, um, or the judicial system can do if something is considered a misdemeanor. Exactly. But in spite of that, for lack of a better way of putting it, you want to be there for anybody who feels that he or she has been victimized and needs your help. Right. Just because their case might not be... Um might not be able to be taken to court, that doesn't mean that we're not going to be able to help them. Anyone who feels like they've been violated sexually in any way is able to come to us for services. Okay. It's an equal opportunity crime, as you put it. Your sexual assault clients' ages ranged from 1 to 89. Yes. Male, female, white, black, Latino, etc. Right. Anybody and everybody who needs your help. Now some statistics, and you know, honestly, in the years that I've been in the business and worked in the community, worked with the crisis center, just kind of um, on a volunteer basis or just through networking, things like that, some of this personally for me is not a big surprise, but some of these statistics are. I, I personally didn't realize that some of these numbers were as high as they were. And let's start off, 6.3 million Texans have experienced some form of sexual assault in their lifetime. Right. 
Okay. Two in five women in Texas have been sexually assaulted. Two in five. Uh, that seems just like an incredibly high number, but it does cover the range of different types of sexual assault, I'm sure, from groping, some sexual contact, things of that nature. Yes. And then one in five men in Texas has been sexually assaulted, something that a lot of us may not think about that much, but it right. happens. And here's the one that really jumped out at me. 91% of sexual assault victims did not report to law enforcement. Why does this happen? Why don't they report it? Um, well, what I hear from most of my clients is they feel like they don't have enough information to actually report it, or they feel like they don't have enough evidence, so they have a fear that they might not be believed. Um, I've also heard from clients that they've disclosed their assault to either a family member or a friend, and they also did not believe them. So they kind of ask themselves, well, what's the point? If they don't believe me, then law enforcement's definitely not going to believe me. Um, another major issue might be that their attacker threatened them that they would hurt them or hurt someone that they love if they decided to disclose that assault. And a lot of times they just feel guilty or embarrassed. They blame themselves feeling that like they did something to bring that assault onto themselves, even though that's definitely not the case ever. Okay. What do you tell people when they tell you things like this? What do you do to encourage them to report sexual assault in spite of all these obstacles? Right. Well, I always let them know that the decision to report is theirs. I'm not there to encourage them one way or the other. It's their decision if they would like to report that and try to take it to court. Um, and I just help them with whatever it is that they choose. If they want to report it or if they decide they don't want to report it and just deal with it on their own, then we are there to help them either way. Okay. You do help them navigate the system, navigate whatever obstacles or challenges they might run across regardless of what decision is theirs exactly. do, you, do you do anything to encourage them to report it or is that just kind of off the table as part of uh, your mission and how you do your work well i i don't encourage them to report a lot of times they are already encouraged to report by family members or friends because they are told well if you don't report it think of all the people that might be um, raped mm -hmm. by this person but that's putting the pressure on the individual who was assaulted that yeah. it's somehow their responsibility to stop this person from raping other people and that I don't think that's the right thing to do so no I don't encourage them one way or the other to report it okay but even here today on the show mm -hmm. you're letting them know that they do have the option oh, yes. and um, that uh, there are people out there people are just becoming more and more aware of this do you see right. or hear about more family members uh, waking up and realizing that that's the way to deal with it, that um, they are being encouraged more to report it than they used to be? I think that's definitely the case. I've heard from a lot of clients that years ago when they were abused as a child, they decided to tell a family member and they were told to never repeat it again, to keep it quiet, that it didn't happen. And um, we're hearing less and less of that. So I think mm -hmm. that because of everything that's been going on regarding sexual assault and sexual harassment, that more people are accepting that this is just something that's happening in our world, and they are more likely to be proactive and decide to get help and report it and do something about it. Okay. Pam Ortega is our guest this morning from the East Texas Crisis Center. She is the East Texas Crisis Center Sexual Assault Program Coordinator. And um, as long as I've just taken that brief break to remind you who we are, and uh, I guess I didn't tell you that I'm John Sims and this is in focus, as long as I've taken that brief break to mention who we are and what we're doing this morning, um, office hours of the Smith County Office of the Smith County Crisis Center, which is the main office, located at 2401 Huey Drive in the southwest part of town, a stretch that used to be known as Old Noonday Road until a few years ago. Mm -hmm. Office hours, 8.30 a.m. to 5.30 p.m. Monday through Friday. 
The phone number is 903-509-2526, 24-hour hotline, couple of editions of that, 903-595-5591 or 800-333-0358, and the website, real easy to dial up. It's, um, I guess we don't want to talk about dial up too much anymore, it's kind right. of an old school expression, right. but e real easy to access, etcc.org, and so much information on there, some of which we'll be talking about today, other information that we won't have time to get to, so we encourage you to check that out and if you're outside of the smith county area there are some outreach centers in henderson van zandt and wood counties and people in Raines county are served by the van zandt county outreach center there's information on each of those outreach centers contact information uh, locations etc on that website etcc.org you talk about awareness and i thought this might be a good point to bring the me too or hashtag me too movement into the picture that's mm -hmm. been really in the news for probably about uh, the last, I think, maybe seven or eight months since things really got up and going. Well, what are you seeing and hearing about the hashtag MeToo movement and how it's affected people in uh, the Smith County, East Texas area? I've definitely had a few clients who have mentioned the, the MeToo movement, movement, and they've um, let me know that that helped them feel a little bit more secure in speaking up about their own experiences because they felt like they were not alone, that this is something that occurs to so many people. Um, so it's definitely encouraged Smith County residents to speak up about their own sexual assault experiences and decide to get help for that. Okay. Some other statistics. 90% of all child victims are assaulted by someone they know. And we're talking here about just child victims. But it's important to remind people, and this has been known by people uh, in your shop for an, and a lot of people around the community for a number of years, but the old back alley or home invasion model of sexual assault, that's still very much a part of the picture, but not nearly as much as people would think. Most of it is somebody you know somebody you trust. Yes, um, and I have another statistic on that actually. So 78% of sexual assaults um, from 2005 to 2010 were committed by a non-stranger. So someone like an intimate partner or a relative or just a friend, 78%. So I think most of us like to believe that it is a stranger who jumps out from the bushes to attack you, but that is definitely not the case. Mm -hmm. It's the people who are closest to you and who have already earned your trust and for whatever reason they decide to commit this horrible crime. Yeah. Over 94% of rapists roam free with only 3% ever spending a day in jail. That's a huge number. Is it uh, in any way, shape, or form less than it used to be because of this increased awareness, people being more willing to report the crime? Or is it really kind of hard to say? That is kind of hard to say. Um, I would hope that that's the case. Most of the time, it's just very difficult to have enough um, evidence for someone to be convicted for this crime. That's the main issue. Okay, now here's another one. Ages 12 to 34 are the highest risk years for rape and sexual assault. And that's important to remember, but we also go right back to the top of the show when we mentioned uh, your clients ranged in age from one to 89. We do hear about things like this on the news from time to time, a lot more often than we'd like. So just, you know, pretty much anybody is vulnerable to something like this. Uh, now, the rate of sexual assault and rape, here's some of the good news. Rate of sexual assault and rape has fallen 63% since 1993. You had a rate of 4.3 assaults per 1,000 people in 1993, and it's down to 1.6 per 1,000 in 2015, which I assume is the last year you have statistics from. Yes. Why do you think this is happening? Are there any theories or just ideas that maybe you and some of the folks in, uh, at the Crisis Center talk about? Well, I think going back to the Me Too movement, um, movements like that that encourage individuals to speak up about their experiences um, 
make it known that this is something that we're not just accepting as a common thing that occurs in our in our world in our society so we're not accepting that this is just something that occurs we are encouraging them to do something about it to speak up if they want to report it if they want to just disclose that this happened to them so i think that's making people realize that this is not something that we're just going to accept anymore okay more numbers etcc served 331 survivors of sexual assault in 2017 214 of those clients started as hospital calls meaning they were recently assaulted and received a sane exam i'm not sure exactly what sane stands for can you tell me yes sane is sexual assault nurse examination or nurse examiner Okay, so you do have people, whether they're reporting it to law enforcement or not, they, uh, a significant number at least going to the hospital and making it known to the people on the hospital staff and then getting in touch with you. Is this also seeing an increase, do you think? Oh, yes. This number of hospital calls, we've seen it increasing every year. Okay. And um, even if they're not reporting it, we always encourage them to go to the hospital. If it's been a recent assault, we encourage them to go to the hospital to get their bodies checked out and make sure that they are okay, that they're not injured, um, so that they can find out if they need to take care of themselves in another way after that. Okay. Now, the likelihood that somebody suffers suicidal or depressive thoughts increases after sexual violence. Again, certainly for me personally and for a lot of us listening, a lot of folks listening today, I'm sure that's no big surprise, but we go into the numbers. 94% of women who are raped experience symptoms of post-traumatic stress disorder during the two weeks following the rape. Can you tell us a little bit about that? PTSD has pretty much gotten into the uh, general mindset of the public is kind of a military related thing but by no means is it limited to that how does that affect people who are victims of domestic violence and sexual assault well we see that our clients who've gone through some kind of traumatic experience are also experiencing these symptoms such as nightmares having flashbacks feeling like they're back in in that assault or in that domestic violence incident Um, they find themselves avoiding anything that reminds them of the person who attacked them they find themselves being angry all the time, not being able to sleep, and even some depressive symptoms like losing interest in things that they once really enjoyed doing. Okay. Also, 33% of women who are raped contemplate suicide. That just kind of goes right in with what we were just talking about. And then approximately 70% of rape or sexual assault victims experience moderate to severe distress. And that is a larger percentage than for any other violent crime. Can you talk maybe a little bit about that? Some of the things you see people who uh, come into the office and that you have talked to? Yes. Um, Well, and my main role at the crisis center is counseling. So I I hear everything that is going through their minds after they've been assaulted, whether it's been a recent assault or in their childhood. And it's very distressing. It doesn't matter how long it's been since the assault. They find themselves just not being able to move on and be happy in their lives because this is something so traumatic for them. So it's a very big issue. Uh, when you're talking about issues, first of all, again, we're talking to Pam Ortega this morning from the East Texas Crisis Center. She's the East Texas Crisis Center Sexual Assault Program Coordinator. I'm John Sims, and this is In Focus. Welcome to the show. If you're just joining us, issues addressed in counseling after an assault. Uh, some of the PTSD symptoms, there are several of them here, and I think maybe you've covered a little bit of that, but anything else that you wanted to cover under that heading? Hypervigilance, intrusive memories. I think you mentioned that a minute ago. Yes, I'm not sure I mentioned hypervigilance, but what I meant by that is that um, they feel like they constantly have to be on guard all the time, looking over their shoulder for Mm -hmm. the next person who might attack them. 
Yeah, that's n certainly nothing to be surprised about. Right. Now, relationships. Many survivors report loss of relationships, especially when family and friends do not believe them. This is where it has that negative ripple effect. It's not just about you getting sexual assaulted. It is about how it affects relationships that you maybe treasure, relationships that you would hope to keep strong and solid during a lifetime. It can be really damaging to those things. Yes, um, and that's something surprising that was surprising to me when I first started at the crisis center. Um, you would think that they'd be talking about all the details of the assault. However, it's everything that occurs after the assault that's most distressing to them. Hmm. The fact that they disclose it to a friend or a family member and they don't believe them. They tell them, well, are you sure that that happened? Are you sure it was a sexual assault? Did you do something to encourage that to happen? That tends to be the most distressing thing after an assault. Oh, right. And that just, to me, and I'm sure to a lot of us uh, who are tuned in today, uh, just ties right in with the trust issues. Now, since most rapes are committed by somebody known to the victim, such as a spouse, boyfriend, relative, friends, co-workers, acquaintance, etc., that broken trust can just be one of the most difficult things to overcome. They now have difficulty trusting anybody, trusting everybody. Exactly. Okay. And that, that's another major issue in counseling is feeling like they are never going to be able to trust anyone ever again. Mm -hmm. So that requires a lot of processing and working on that. Yeah. And that moves us right back to what we talked about at the very beginning of the show, East Texas Crisis Center Services. Um, there are several different things that you do. And let's just uh, go down the list that you gave me before okay. we uh, got together this morning. Individual counseling. What are some of the things that uh, happen and that are accomplished through individual counseling? I'm sure you do a lot of that. Yes. Well, the main goal for, for counseling is to provide them a safe place to say anything and everything that they want. Usually that's the only place that they are able to really talk about the assault because they find that their friends or family members really don't want to hear about everything that they're experiencing because it can, it can affect them as well. Mm -hmm. So the main thing for counseling is to let them know that they can say whatever is on their mind and that we are going to help them process that and work through it and let them know that it's okay, that they're not going crazy, that what they're experiencing is common. Okay, and then there's a therapy group for women. Is this kind of a, does that follow just kind of the general model of therapy groups, support groups, people talking to each other, building relationships within the therapy group, or does it have any kind of special touches you want to mention? I think that's mostly it. The main, the main purpose of the therapy group is to provide a place for individuals who've gone through similar experiences to talk with each other, to help each other out. Maybe one person um, has found a really helpful coping skill that they would like to share with the group. So the main goal is to help them connect with each other because they've been through similar experiences. Okay. Again, talking to Pam Ortega this morning on In Focus. I'm John Sims. Pam is with the East Texas Crisis Center, and let's give some of the contact information out again. The Smith County office, main office of the East Texas Crisis Center is at 2401 Huey Drive, 8.30 a.m. to 5.30 p.m. Monday through Friday are the office hours. Phone number is 903-509-2526. 24-hour hotline, 903-595-5591 or 1-800-333-0358. And if you would go to that website, etcc.org, lots of other information. You can learn about the outreach centers in Henderson, Van Zandt, and Wood Counties, the Van Zandt County office also serving residents of Raines County. And certainly we encourage you to make that call or to check that website or to visit that outreach center if you're in one of the rural areas. If you have a problem or if you have something you want to share about maybe a friend 
or a family member. There's also an email option, a form that you can fill out if you want to make contact by email. You can go to the website for that as well. Getting back to the services, though, protective orders. Uh, how do you assist people with protective orders? That's kind of a law enforcement type thing, but you're right in that picture. Yes, we are. And that has to do with um, individuals who are assaulted by a family member or a friend, someone that they regularly have contact with. If that offender is harassing them or threatening them or just makes them feel unsafe, then we help them apply for a protective order. And we actually fill out that application with them in our office. We do the official statement and get it notarized, and we are still with them every step of the way after that. We accompany them to court, um, to the hearings, and that is all free of charge. So if that's something mm -hmm. that they would like to do, then that is a service that we offer them. All right. Very good. Advocacy on behalf of clients. I think maybe we just kind of covered that a little bit. Is there anything else you do in that regard, or did we just basically cover the waterfront just now? Um, that's basically it. But if our clients would like us to contact law enforcement or any other social service agency, then uh -huh. we do that for them, too. Mm -hmm. One of the things that I know you're most known for is the shelter. How does that work? How are things going with the shelter? How is it uh, doing these days as far as being successful and helping people make that transition? It is very successful, I would say, because we are always full. <laughs> it's always full. Um, and normally we see a lot more domestic violence clients in the shelter um, because most of our sexual assault clients are uh, attacked by a friend, so it's not someone that they're living with. So we don't tend to have too many sexual assault clients in the shelter. Mm -hmm. But again, we're not just talking about sexual assault today. It is Sexual Assault Awareness Month, but domestic violence also as much a part of the picture as ever for what happens at the crisis center. And hospital accompaniment, and we mentioned that earlier. I know you work with uh, folks who have been to the hospital, but you'll go to the hospital with them too if need be. Right. I actually was on a hospital call last night. So yes, anytime someone goes to an emergency room and they say that they've been assaulted, they call the crisis center hotline and we send an advocate to accompany that individual throughout the sexual assault nurse examination. Mm -hmm. You seem to do it all. And uh, again, 903-509-2526 is the main office number, not for some of the outlying counties, but just to give you the basics about how to make initial contact with a crisis center. 24-hour hotline, 903-595-5591. If you have a problem, you need to report right away. And then 1-800-333-0358. And um, anything you can't learn from making those contacts, just go to that website. It's all on there, etcc.org. A uh, couple of events coming up in the coming week uh, to observe Sexual Assault Awareness Month, and one of those is coming up on Tuesday evening, and that'll be the Light the Night Rally. You're doing that in concert with TJC. Tell us when that is and what's going to be happening there. Yes, that will be Tuesday night, the 24th, starting at 5.30 p.m. Um, we will have guest speakers just giving out information related to sexual assault. And the main event of the night is gonna be the walk that we will be doing across the Tyler Junior College campus. And um, last year we had students read out statistics related to college sexual assault. So okay. that will be the main thing, is walking across the campus to raise awareness. All righty, for more information on that, contact Marie Davis and Marie's address is ADAV2, the numeral two at tjc.edu. Marie Davis at ADAV2 at tjc.edu. Once again, the Light the Night Rally, bringing attention to sexual assault and sexual assault awareness month, Tuesday, April 24th, 5.30 to 9 p.m. It's in Apache Room 4 on the TJC campus. Special guest speakers, a Light the Night Rally walk, which I think you said is the centerpiece of that activity. And right. let's not forget the fun giveaways, too. That's right. <laughs> okay. And it's on the TJC campus. Obviously, you're targeting college students, but it is yes. open to the public. You encourage anybody and everybody to join you on Tuesday night. 
Oh, yes. TJC. We'd love for the public to be there. All righty. The day after that is Denim Day. What is Denim Day? Kind of a sobering story behind that. Oh, yes. Um, Denim Day got started in Italy in the 1990s. There was a teenage girl who was going on her very first driving lesson. And um, unfortunately, her driving instructor took her down a lonely road and uh, wrestled her out of her jeans and forcefully raped her. So she, even though he threatened her, she decided to go ahead and report it. And he was actually convicted of rape and sentenced to jail. However, he appealed the sentence. Um, and the reason for that was because... The victim wore jeans. They tried to say that because she was wearing jeans, it had to have been consensual because there was no way he could have removed those tight, tight jeans himself. And so the next day, um, women in the Italian parliament wore jeans as a protest against victim blaming. Okay, and the judge went along with that. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. And so that's how it all began. And ever since then, people, I guess, around the world have, on Denim Day, which this year is April 25th, which is Wednesday, yes. they wear denim in observance of denim day yes. now that's not all they do because i know in tyler you have a special activity you're going to be at ut tyler that day there's going to be a special film showing and the best way to get more information about that is probably just to call the crisis center at 903-509-2526 to get the details or you can check the website etcc.org send an email through the website if you'd like to do that but uh, coming up in this coming week, Light the Night Rally at TJC, Tuesday, April 24th, and then Denim Day on September 25th with a special activity going on that day at the University of Texas at Tyler. Um, opportunities to help. Uh, you always take donations. Um, I know you have fundraisers throughout the year. The big one, of course, is the Auto and Cycle Show, which I think right. just recently wrapped up. That's always a very popular event. But people can make donations online. They can make cash or check donations. Go to the website to find out more about how to do that. What about volunteers? What kind of volunteers are you looking for? What kinds of qualifications would you like them to have? What kind of work are they going to be doing in most cases? We are always in need of volunteers. And uh, the main need that we have right now is volunteers who are willing to go on hospital calls um, to assist someone who's just recently been assaulted and is going through uh, that kind of traumatic experience at the hospital receiving the exam. So that's the main need we have for volunteers, individuals who would be ready and willing to go to the hospital. Um, and even if we have someone that can only go once a month, that is something that we kind of desperately need. So we would love to have anyone who's interested in helping out survivors um, get in contact with us if they would be interested in volunteering for hospitals. Okay. And again, 903-509-2526, uh, the phone number to call. You can email through the website. If you're in one of the uh, outlying areas, you can go through one of the outreach centers in some of the outlying counties that are also listed on the website, etcc.org. And uh, if this is you, if you want to volunteer for the East Texas Crisis Center, just pick up that phone or jump on that computer and get going with it, I guess. Yes, and I would encourage them to do it sooner rather than later because we are having a volunteer training coming up uh, starting in the next week or two. And so that is a requirement that we have. We um, train them about everything that they might need to know before they actually um, have to go out into the field and serve survivors. Okay, getting down close to the end of the show, uh, just a couple of minutes left as we visit with Pam Ortega from the East Texas Crisis Center. And uh, again, we want to draw your attention to... Um, the Light the Night Rally at TJC, Tuesday, April 24th, 5.30 to 9, in the Apache Room 4 on the TJC campus. Contact person for that is Marie Davis. 
ADAV2 at tjc.edu. And that's just if you have any questions. And all, uh, if you want to, uh, and if you don't have any questions, just show up and be a part of it all. Yes. And then the Denim Day activities uh, where you just wear denim to um, promote raise awareness. awareness, raise yes. awareness, and also the activity coming up at uh, UT Tyler. You can get more information about that by calling the Crisis Center. Um, success stories. I don't know if you have time to maybe share one that uh, just kind of really jumps out at you, or if maybe you wanted to talk more in general about the successes that you've had, how people were actually able to turn their lives around because of their experiences with a crisis center. Right. Um, I think the main thing that helps individuals move past their sexual assault traumas is to just feel free to talk about it to be able to talk about everything that they've experienced after that in a safe place. So that's why counseling is so important. Um, I've had many individuals who have come in when they have been just at a super low point, feeling very depressed, feeling like there was maybe no hope. And because we've worked consistently, meeting every week, uh, doing counseling and working on those things, they have left feeling hope again. And that's the most important thing, is being able to provide them with hope. Okay. And we have about a minute or so left in the show. I wanted to draw attention to something that I noticed on the website and that I've actually been aware of for quite some time, and it has to do with sexual assault and domestic violence, knowing the red flags. Um, and I guess this is mostly domestic violence oriented, but if a person has gotten you to the point where you're not quite yourself anymore, if you, that person makes you constantly question your actions or personality, somebody who that you may think you're really close to, a boyfriend or a husband even, calls or text messages excessively, monitors the other person by screening their call logs. I think we're getting very um, deeply into the stalking syndrome right now. Screening their call logs, phone bills, or emails. That's not normal behavior. That's maybe when you need to pick up that phone and call that hotline. That's right. Okay. Showing up unannounced at the person's home, work, or hangouts. The list goes on and on. You can find it on the website, etcc.org. Pam Ortega, we're just about out of time, but it's been very informative, a pleasure, and I'm sure helpful to a lot of people to have you on the show this morning. Thanks for coming from the Crisis Center and taking a half hour to visit with us. Of course. Thank you for this opportunity. You bet. It is Sexual Assault Awareness Month. Pam Ortega with the East Texas Crisis Center has been our guest this morning on In Focus. And uh, that's about it for today. I'm John Sims. See you next week, and thank you for joining us this week on In Focus. Your only local news radio. This is KTBB Tyler, KTBB FM Troop Tyler Longview, and KTBB.com.